All right, hey everybody, welcome to Valley Creek Church. We are so glad that you are here. Hey, whatever campus you're at, Denton Flower Mound, Louisville, the venue, an extension site, watching online somewhere in the world, can we just celebrate each other together for a moment? Oh, come on, celebrate each other like you care. Come on. We are so glad that you are here with us today, and we are in a series called Blind Spots. We're talking about how what is so easy to see in other people is so hard to see in ourselves. And this is one of those series where you wish those people in your life would come to church on these weeks, right? This is one of those series that you're like, man, I wish my spouse or my kids or my parents or my boss or that neighbor, I wish they would come to church so they could hear about their blind spots so we could get those resolved. But this is not a series for your friends or your neighbors or your coworkers. This is a series for you and me. This is a series where God wants to bring freedom in our lives because we've all got these blind spots that we can't see and they're impacting our lives. And when you think of a blind spot, it's real easy to think about driving down the road. We all know what that's like to have a blind spot. And if you don't see that car behind you and you move into that next lane, you kind of drive them off the road. Well, the same thing is true with the blind spots in our lives. When we become unaware of them, we, we, in a sense, we drive the people we love off the road of life. So they're hurting us. They're keeping us from opportunities. They're damaging our relationships. They're preventing us from moving forward. And they're causing us to live these drastically inferior lives than the ones that Jesus came to give us. And so we started last week by defining a blind spot. We said a blind spot is any area of brokenness that is obvious to others, but hidden to ourselves. It's a blind spot. It's any area of brokenness in your life that you can't see, but everyone else around you knows exactly what it is, and we've all got them. It might be pride, narcissism, selfishness, drama, over-talking, isolation. I don't know. You got them, and I got them. We've got blind spots in our parenting, in our marriage, blind spots in our character and in our work, blind spots in our thinking, in our hearts, in our lives. And those blind spots are keeping us from the fullness of life that God offers us. In fact, if you think about a blind spot, what a blind spot does is it keeps you from seeing what is, but it also keeps you from seeing what can be. It keeps you from seeing the reality of what's actually happening in this moment, but it also keeps you from seeing the vision of what can be in your life. In fact, if you think about it, blind spots not only keep us from seeing our own brokenness, they keep us from seeing the goodness of God. That's why a blind spot is limited self-awareness, but it's also limited God-awareness. Like if your blind spot is drama, you can't see the brokenness of acting dramatic but you also can't see the goodness of the peace that Jesus offers you regardless of the situation. And so we've got to see these blind spots so we can be free. And so in Matthew chapter seven, here's what Jesus says. He says, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. If we would take those three verses and apply them to our lives, our lives would be dramatically different. 
If we would actually be more concerned about receiving the grace that Jesus offers us instead of the brokenness that we see in everyone else's lives, things would radically change for us. And what I love about what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, hey, I hate to break this to you, but you got some blind spots. And he uses a really interesting analogy. He says, you have a log in your eye. Remember, Jesus always teaches us in parables because he wants us to grasp the full reality of what he's trying to teach us. I'm just saying, if you got a log sticking out of your face, you probably have a blind spot. Okay, so think about it. Think about what Jesus is saying. He's literally wanting you to visualize a log sticking out of your face. Imagine going through your daily life with a giant tree coming right out of your eye. Imagine going to work or school or home or to your family or wherever you go. And everywhere you go, this giant log is sweeping around in front of you and impacting everyone in your life. And so all the people you engage with, they got to duck it. They got to dodge it. They got to jump it. They got to be aware of it because you got a log in your eye. And what happens is over time, those blind spots push the people we love away from us what Jesus is trying to tell us. He's saying, hey, at some point in time, you will knock those people that you love down so many times that they will back away from you. And the bigger your blind spot is, the further they have to remove themselves because they're tired of getting knocked down. And so they get to that place where they say, hey, I'm not leaving the marriage, but, but I got to have some pretty significant distance between us because I'm tired of getting knocked down by your anger. Or that friend that says, I'm not leaving the friendship, but I can't move any closer than this because I'm tired of getting knocked down by your selfishness. Or that job where it's like, I, I, I'm not quitting the job, but I, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. So I'm, I'm backing way out here. And then I think one day in our life, we wake up and we wonder, why are all my relationships so distant? Why does it feel like everyone's so far away from me and I try to get in close, but it's like they pull away the more I try to lean in? Well, maybe... Maybe it's because you've got a blind spot that's pushing them away. Like, like let me ask you this question. Do, do you ever feel like in your life that your life is full of patterns, loops, and repeats? Like if you think of your life, does it feel like everything has this same pattern, this same loop, and this same sense of repeat? Like it's the same story, but a different day. Like, does every job seem to go the same way? Does every opportunity seem to get stopped at the same place? Does every relationship seem to break down at the same point? Does every church you've ever been at always seem to end the same way? Like, is your life full of patterns where you think things are like always like this or never like that? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so here's the question. If you have a problem with everyone... Could it be that you are the problem? Like, if every relationship seems to end or go the same way, could it be that you got a blind spot that you don't see that's setting in motion the very thing that you don't want to happen? Come on, man, we teach people how to treat us. If you got a giant log that knocks them down, you're blind spot and you're unaware of it, you keep knocking them down. You teach them how to treat you so eventually they'll back away and you'll have another story to tell about how everyone in your life always did fill in the blank to you. I mean, do you remember the story of the woman at the well? Here's this lady. She's, she's getting water in the middle of the day. She's all by herself and Jesus comes and he approaches her and he strikes up a conversation with her. 
And as they start talking, he kind of exposes this reality that she's been married five times and she's living with a sixth guy. Could we say blind spots? Now, if you would have asked that woman how those relationships went, oh, she would have had a story for every one of those guys. Oh, the first guy, he could never keep a job. And the second guy, he had an anger problem. And the third guy, he was just mean. And the the fourth guy couldn't get his act together. And the fifth guy, his mom, whoo-wee. I'm saying, she would have had a story about every one of them and how it was their fault that ended the relationship. And yet she's got this giant blind spot that she can't see that's knocking down everyone she loves, knocking them right out of her life. Could it be that the last five relationships, five opportunities, five churches, five situations, five circumstances in your life could be a blind spot that you're setting in motion? If everything in your life keeps getting knocked down, maybe you're the one knocking it down. Come on, are you with me? And so what I love about the grace of Jesus is he exposes it, heals her and sets her free because she was willing to receive his grace and he'll do the same thing for you. You see, I am convinced that unresolved blind spots lead to an inability for us to move forward in life. And so Jesus wants to heal us. In fact, this is why in Luke 6, Jesus says, you must acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them before you'll be able to deal with the blind spots of anyone else. In other words, he says, hey, you got to take responsibility for you because no one else can make you move forward. No one else can open your eyes for you. You got to own it, take some responsibility. And the good news is in Luke 4, Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me for recovery of sight for the blind. In other words, Jesus is anointed to open up your eyes, not just physical eyes, but our spiritual eyes so that we could see. And so we started this last week and we kind of went through and said, here's how you expose what the blind spots are in your life, how you start to discover them. We said, it's really simple as a recap. You got to admit that you got them. You got to invite the Holy Spirit to start exposing them. And then you got to ask healthy, godly people what your blind spots are. So that was part one of kind of a two-part message. And so today I want to say, in a sense, walk through what do we do once we start becoming aware of what those blind spots are? You want to know how to deal with them? And if you don't, that's your blind spot. Okay. (laughs) Here's what you do when you start to realize what they are. Listen to what healthy, godly people say your blind spots are. Let's start here again. Listen to what healthy, godly people, not dysfunctional, worldly people. Healthy, godly people who are walking with Jesus, who are being set free, who know the word of God, who are filled with the spirit of God, who are Jesus focused in their life. You actually have to listen to what they have to say. This is why Proverbs tells us wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Listen, a friend will tell you what you need to hear. An enemy will tell you what you want to hear. A friend will tell you what you need to hear, and it won't be fun most of the time. An enemy will tell you exactly what you want to hear, and they'll reinforce those blind spots in your life so you stay in darkness. And I love that it says wounds from a friend, because let's be honest, when people in your life start pointing out your blind spots, it's wounding. So the question is this, do you have people in your life who love you enough to wound you so they can help heal you? 
Do you have people that will love you enough to literally wound you so they'll heal you? Like this last week, my little girl, she was outside playing with her friend and she got a sliver in her finger. And when she came in, she showed me, she was crying. She's like, daddy, it, it hurts. And I said, oh, come here, baby, let, let me look at it. And I looked at it, I said, I can, I can get it out. She said, oh, no, da no, daddy, you, you can't do that. And I kind of grabbed her hand because she was close. So she couldn't get away. And I reached in my drawer and pulled out a big knife. <laughs> you know, I grew up in that generation. That's how it works. It's like, this is what we're going to do. It's not like we're going to, anyways. So I grabbed her hand and I got this knife and she starts freaking out. Daddy, don't do, no, daddy, no. To be crocodile tears coming. I said, baby, you got to let me get it out. We just, it's going to just take a second and it's going to hurt for a minute. And as I, you know, push it in there a little bit, she's like, oh, daddy, it hurts. And it's like, ah, and I get it out. And as soon as I get it, I said, I got it. She grips her hand away from me and runs out the door. I had to wound her so I could heal her. Come on, you want that thing to get infected and grow? So the next day she comes in and she says, look, Ted, it's gone and it doesn't hurt anymore. That's what, that's what we're talking about here. Because when someone tells you you're a blind spot, I promise you it's wounding, but they're trying to heal you and here's what you got to do. You got to trust it. Can, can you remember the story of when Jesus meets the one blind guy and it says he spits in some mud, takes the mud and rubs it in his eyes? And then says, now go wash in the pool. Like if I'm that blind guy, I'm like, like, Jesus, why couldn't you just say like, open your eyes like you did for the other guys? Why you gotta be spitting on me, you know? And then you're telling me to go to a pool that I don't even know where it is. Okay, in that moment, it, really, it didn't make a lot of sense to that guy, but he had to choose to trust. When people start pointing out your blind spots, I promise you, you'll disagree. You don't think they're there. You, you don't see them, that's why. So can you be humble enough to trust what they have to say. I mean, I remember when I was learning how to do all this stuff, pastoring and, and all that, and, and I was doing my first funeral. And I was with this guy who was supposed to be training me, and, and man, I was, I was so nervous. I was like a kid. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. But we were doing this funeral for this older lady that had passed, and, and I was so nervous, I went into the bathroom. And when I was done, I came out and I had buttoned my coat wrong. You know, like I had the one button like up here for the wrong thing. So my coat was buttoned wrong and I forgot to zip up my fly. <laughs> Black suit, white shirt. <laughs> so we go in there and you're greeting all the people as they're coming in. And you're, oh, I'm so sorry about your loss. And you're talking to people. My coat's like this and my fly's down. <laughs> Do the whole thing, get on the front row. You sing the couple hymns or whatever it was at the time. And then I get up there, I'm so nervous. And I get up and I preach this poor lady's funeral. And when it's all done, I come and I sit back down on the front row and I look down and I was mortified. And I looked at the guy who was supposed to be helping me. And I went like this and he goes, I oh, know. <laughs> and then he looked at me and he said, I saw it before you went up there but I didn't want to say anything. I said, what? Are you kidding me? Please hurt my feelings so you can give me a healthy future. <laughs> Come on. That's what we're talking about here. You got to sometimes hurt somebody's feelings so they can have a healthy future. And you got to be humble enough to say, hurt my feelings. Cause I don't want to get up there like this. Are you with me on that? I mean, come on, recently, not recently, I don't know, a while ago, I could tell that some of my closest team was just frustrated with me. 
I couldn't figure out why. I knew there was just this, this low-grade frustration, and I didn't know what it was. So we were in one of our meetings, and I just started by kind of saying, hey, guys, I'm not sure what's up. I feel like you're frustrated at me. I feel like maybe I'm doing or saying something that I'm not aware of. So, so do, you, do you want to tell me what's up? And within two seconds of asking that question, the first guy was like, oh, yeah, sure. I, I will tell you what's up right now. And he went through his little list that he had. And then when he was done, the second guy goes, and then I got some things that I want to add to that. And, and he started going. And so I'm sitting there and I'm writing down pretty much everything that they're saying, like kind of line by line. And then the third guy goes, and by the third guy, you're like, well, let's just go all the way around the room. Everybody go. And so we went all the way around the room and everybody shared what they were frustrated about. Blind spots that I didn't see that were knocking them down. And we got to the end and I said, okay, has everybody said what they needed to say? And I said, yeah. And I said, okay, now I'm going to tell you what's frustrating to me about you. No, that's not what I said. I looked at that list and I went point by point and went back to each person and said, I'm really sorry that when I did this, that knocked you down. I'm really sorry when I said that, that, that caught you. And I went all the way down and all the way around. And when we were done, I left that meeting and I left that meeting wounded. But the sliver was gone. And the healing had begun. And I had to trust them enough to know they weren't trying to hurt me. They were trying to help me. And I had to give them permission and they had to have courage. You see, can I ask you this question? Do you make it easy for people to tell you what your blind spots are? See, I think people don't want to tell us because we make it too costly. Like, I don't want to tell you your blind spot if I tell you your blind spot and bam, you're just going to knock me right back down with the lock. Like, like if we make it costly, they're not going to share with us. Like you literally got to make it easy for people to say it to you. And when they say it, you got to own it and say, thank you for helping me be better. Even though that wounded you in the moment, but they're wounding you to heal you. I mean, come on. Godly relationships are God's pathway to a life of freedom. Like whether you want to believe it or not, we need each other. Galatians 6 says it like this, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, if they got a blind spot, they're missing the mark and they cannot see it. You who are spiritual, you who have eyes to see should restore them gently. This is God's plan. Listen, blind spot removal is simply discipleship. If you ever wanted to know what's disciple making, it's removing people's blind spots. Why? Because we're removing them so you can come unto the submission and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. So every area of your life would be conformed to the image and the likeness of God. And the truth is, you're not going to like every person who points out one of your blind spots. And I hate to break this to you. God uses people who have blind spots to point out your blind spots. That's scary, isn't it? Two people with giant trees coming at each other. Ah, okay. It's like jousting or something. I don't know. But here's the deal. You might have a blind spot in parenting and their blind spot might be in marriage. So they can clearly see where you cannot. So can you be humble enough to receive it? Don't reject the message because you're judging the messenger. Don't reject the freedom God offers you because you don't like the package that it's coming in. I mean, do you remember a Paul? We talked about him last week. He encounters Jesus. He's blind. And God sends a guy by the name of Ananias to open up his eyes. It says, and Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you are coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again and he got up and he was baptized. God sends Ananias to open up the eyes of Saul, and it, or, which who becomes Paul. And if you think about it, could you imagine if Paul would have looked at Ananias and I couldn't look at him in that moment. If he would have listened to Ananias and said, who are you? Who are you to open up my eyes? Think of all Paul would have missed out on in his life. Okay. So when that person points something out in your life and you think, who are you? They're the person God has sent into your life. It might be your spouse, your friend, a neighbor, an authority figure, a total stranger. You know who they are? They're the person God has sent into your life so that you might see. So maybe we should just humble ourselves a little bit because pride is the road to blindness. Humility is the road to sight. Are you with me on this? Oh, come on. Are you with me on this? I'm not going to go any further because this is it. And I hate to break it to you. You're going to look at that person and you're going to be like, like, like you? Like, I'm way better than you and like everything. Yeah. He's not going to be your perfect mentor that you're like, whoa, I want to be like you. I'll listen to everything you say. No, they're going to be someone you don't want to listen to. And God says, that's why I picked them to send them to you to see if you'll be humble enough to receive what I offer. You with me on that? Come on, are you with me on that? Okay, then the second thing is this. You gotta confess and repent. Like when it's pointed out, own it. Take responsibility, don't push it away, don't make excuses, just own it. It says Paul got up and was immediately baptized like he owned it, confess. First John 1, 9 says if we confess our sins, our blind spots where we're missing the mark, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen to me, confession is simply agreement with God. That's all it is. Confession is agreeing with God. It's saying, you're right, God, I didn't realize I had a blind spot here that was hurting people. I now agree with you that that's true. I confess it. It's allowing his truth to determine what you see instead of allowing what you see to become your truth. Confession is the process of God's truth becoming your truth. And when you agree with God, you align with God. And when you're aligned with God, you're under the authority of God. And when you're under the authority of God, he is light. And he starts turning on all the areas that were in darkness so you could see. So confess and then repent. Repent simply means to change your mind or change your direction. Romans 2.4 says God's kindness leads you to repentance. It's actually God's kindness that's exposing the blind spots in your life. Not trying to shame you or guilt you or condemn you. He's trying to free you. So own it. Because here's the deal. If you become aware of a blind spot and you reject it and you refuse to deal with it, you're choosing darkness. To close your eyes to a blind spot you see is to close your eyes to the light of God. You're consigning an entire area of your life to the darkness. And if you do that over time, what will happen is your life will continually become smaller and darker. This is the difference between ignorance and disobedience. Ignorance is a blind spot. I genuinely do not know. Disobedience is I know and I'm refusing to do anything about it. And I hate to break this to you, but the older you get, the more pronounced your blind spots become. That's why we call it like youthful ignorance and aged disobedience. Like, have you ever been to an airport in Florida? <laughs> you, you look at some of these people and you're like, are you for real? 
The answer is yes, they're for real. They've become so darkened in their understanding because for all these years of their life, they've refused to deal with their blind spots. So it's become even more pronounced. Their, their log becomes even bigger, knocking people even further out of their life. Listen, the, the difference between a Pharisee and a disciple is a Pharisee defends and attacks, a disciple confesses and repents. That's like it, man. Like Jesus walked through crowds and he pointed out blind spots to everyone. Pharisees defended and attacked, disciples confessed and repented. Like, like, do you remember the first two kings of Israel? You, you got Saul and you got David. And they both had blind spots. Saul had a blind spot in the area of trust. David had a blind spot in the area of lust. You, you see, Saul was the first king of Israel and the prophet Samuel told him, said, hey, stay here for seven days and then I'll come and offer a sacrifice. And when we offer that sacrifice, we can go to battle against the Philistines. Well, seven days come and go. Samuel hasn't showed up. Showed up and so Saul, he panics. The enemy is coming. His troops are leaving. The sacrifice hasn't been offered. So he takes the sacrifice into his own hands because he doesn't trust God enough to wait. He offers the sacrifice. And when it's done, Samuel shows up and says, what did you do? And the moment he says that, Saul starts defending and attacking. My army was leaving and the enemy was coming and you didn't show up, man. You said you were going to be here and you're not. So I thought it would be a good idea to do this. Defends and attacks. Now compare that to David, the second king of Israel. David, the man after God's own heart. David, the guy who loved God. And yet he had a blind spot in the area of lust. He saw this beautiful woman by the name of Bathsheba. He takes her, sleeps with her. She gets pregnant. He realizes she's married. He has her husband killed. Kind of goes from bad to worse. And when all that's kind of done, he doesn't think anything's wrong. He genuinely doesn't see it. He's got a log sticking out of his eye. He cannot see what he just did. And then the prophet Nathan walks into his life and says, David, this is what you just did. And the first response of David was to hit his knees and weep and say, I have sinned against the Lord. He confessed and repented. This is why Saul's kingdom was removed from him and why David's kingdom is everlasting. Because people who refuse to deal with their blind spots will lose what they have. People who confess and repent will be entrusted with even more. You will lose whatever stays in the dark. You get to keep whatever is in the light. Think about it. How can you steward what's in the dark? So moms and dads, are you dealing with your blind spots so you don't lose the relationship with your children, but that God makes it even stronger? Leaders, are you dealing with your blind spots so you don't lose the influence you have, but God can give you even more? Friends, are you dealing with your blind spots so you don't push the people you love right out of your life, but so that your friendships will grow even stronger? I mean, the question is, is what is the last blind spot that's been exposed in your life? And how did you respond? Did you confess and repent or did you defend and attack? Are you with me on this? This is the journey of maturity, man. Because all of a sudden it starts to change your mindset about how everything's going down. And when you start to become aware of your blind spots in the present, you start realizing those were blind spots in the past. So all of a sudden it changes the story you tell about your last 50 years or 20 years or 80 years. Because you see, when you start realizing that I had this log, that's how the story went down in the past. Instead of they this, it's no I that. Instead of looking at your past and said they were controlling, it's no, I was rebellious. 
Instead of they were angry, it was, no, I was selfish. Instead of they rejected me, no, I pushed them away. And they had their blind spots too. But when you start taking responsibility for yours, it sets you free because no longer is it a story about how everyone else did you wrong. It's a story about how Jesus removed the blind spot out of your life so you can see. Some of you need to hear that because that's the only way you heal from your past. It's by taking ownership. Third thing is this, just choose to grow, man. Like when you realize it, like just, just like own it. Say, I want to be the best version of myself. In, in fact, every blind spot in your life is an area under the influence of the kingdom of darkness. This is heavy if you can think about it. Every blind spot in your life is an area under the influence of the kingdom of darkness. Why? Because 1 John 5, 1 tells us that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So everything that's under the influence of Jesus in the kingdom of God, we have sight, we have vision, we have revelation for. Everything that's in the dark belongs to the wrong kingdom. So Jesus is always inviting us out of the darkness into his light. I mean, you remember the story of the rich young ruler? He's rich, he's young, he's a ruler. That's a good deal, man. And he comes to Jesus one day and says, hey, Jesus, like, what do I got to do to be saved? And Jesus says, hey, man, you got to keep the commandments. And he looks back at Jesus and says, I, I have. Since I've been a boy, I've done all of this stuff. And let's think about it in the positive. He's got a good thing going. He's been living a good life, doing a good thing. And Jesus looks at him. He's like, all right, man, you're on the right path. He's like, but there's one thing. There's one giant blind spot you don't see. You love money more than you love me. So go sell everything you've got, give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Okay. He's right there. Jesus just pointed out one of the giant remaining blind spots in the man's life. He's right there. All he has to do is take one step into the light and trust Jesus enough that Jesus said something he didn't want to hear. If you don't want to hear it, it's because it's a blind spot. And all he's got to do is step into the light. And guess what? He turns around and he walks right back into darkness. He didn't want to trust Jesus enough to step one more step into the light. And so he turned around and went back deeper into the darkness. Can I tell you that is the pattern of so many of us? We get right there. We come to church. We have a small group. We have a godly relationship. The Holy Spirit is moving in our lives. And we know it's the blind spot. It's being pointed out to us. We're right there. Some of you are here today. You're on the cusp of a major breakthrough. If you will trust God enough to step out of the dark into the light. And we turn around and choose to go back into darkness. And that darkness becomes even deeper than it was before. Because now we just said we don't want the light. We want darkness. I mean, this is why Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? It's a fair question, isn't it? He's kind of saying, why do you say you want to follow me and yet never actually change? And I get it. That blind spot has been comfortable. It's convenient. We've learned to compensate and cope. It's become our identity, but it's not your identity. It's an old pattern, but guess what? In Jesus, you can have new patterns. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. Let's change our thinking, let's break free because healthy things grow and growing things change. So, so go right at it. Go right at it. 
When you realize it's a blind spot, go right at it. Like, cause that's where Jesus is. He's in the light. If your blind spot is over talking, go right at an environment where you're going to be forced to be quiet and just ask questions. If your blind spot is selfish, go right at an environment where you're going to be forced to serve. If your blind spot is finances, go right at an environment where you're going to be forced to be generous. If your blind spot is to isolate, go right at an environment where you're going to forced to be in some community. Like just go for it. Choose to grow. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you and then point out to that godly relationship in your life. Say, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but I got this blind spot. <laughs> They're going to say, oh, I, I know. Okay. Can you help me find breakthrough in it? And you'll stumble and you'll fall and it'll be hard. But guess what? Yeah, you're not where you want to be, but you're not where you were. You're not yet who you're going to be, but you're not who you used to be. You're a beloved son or daughter on the journey of freedom. You got to choose to grow or it's not coming out. And the last thing is this. Just look to Jesus, man. When you become aware of your blind spot, don't focus on the blind spot. Focus on Jesus. Don't try harder, trust more. Don't strive more, surrender more. Take that blind spot, submit it and surrender it to the Lordship of Jesus, and then just look right to him. Look right to him. Because when we look to Jesus, he is grace. And when we look to grace, grace exposes, it heals, and it transforms us. I mean, think about this. How did Peter go from being an insecure, arrogant, selfish guy to a guy full of patience and kindness? How did Matthew go from being a selfish tax collector to a guy full of generosity writing the Gospels? How did John go from being the dude with the anger problem to the apostle of love? They didn't have some special therapy, some special program. They didn't have some special class they went through. They followed Jesus for three years. And they looked at him, not at their blind spots. And with every step, the light turned on and the darkness began to flee. This is why in John 8, John 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He's saying, if you just follow me and look at me and take next steps with me and keep your attention on me, one by one by one, the blind spots in your life will be turned on and they will disappear and you will see light and be set free. And there is no blind spot beyond the healing touch of Jesus. You with me on that? Okay, let me close it with this and try to pull this together for you and see if this makes sense to you. Did you ever wonder why Jesus says we have a log in our eye? Like of all the analogies he could have used, he could have picked any object that he wanted. He chose a log. I think the reason he chose the log is because it's a picture of what happened in the Garden of Eden. It's because we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, if you can remember in the Garden of Eden, in the beginning of creation, there's two trees in the center, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life is the tree of grace, the tree of vision, the tree of life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the tree of death, the tree of blindness, the tree of the law. And God said, don't eat from that tree because I don't want you to be exposed to that reality. And what happened? Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the moment they did, they became blind. 
All of a sudden, it was like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil went from the center of the garden to this giant tree sticking out of their face. Why? Because instead of being focused on the glory of God, they now became focused on the brokenness of humanity. All of a sudden, instead of worshiping God, they got really good at pointing out all the failures and faults in each other. That's why when God shows up and says, what happened? The first thing Adam says is, the woman you put here with me, she did it. (laughs) A lot of bad jokes to make right there. She did it. He takes no responsibility over himself. Why? Because he's got this log now sticking out of himself and he can't see his own blind spot. He wants to defend and attack and blame Eve and blame God. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right, wrong, good, bad, should, shouldn't, can, can't. And all of a sudden the law, it blinds our hearts, the Bible tells us. It blinds us from being able to clearly see. But the moment we take our eyes off a right, wrong, good, bad, should, shouldn't and look to the grace of Jesus, our eyes are opened. You see, in the garden, we became blind to what we were meant to see, and we started to see what we were supposed to be blind to. We became blind to what we were supposed to see, the glory, the goodness, and the grace of God. And we started to see what we were supposed to be blind to, sin, shame, and guilt. And that's why I think Jesus says it's a tree. Because when you're so focused on what's wrong with everybody else, you can't see the grace that God offers you. Judgment blinds you to grace. And so Jesus came and he took that log and he turned it into a cross and he hung on it. And he hung on that tree of the knowledge of good and evil and every right, wrong, good, bad, all those blind spots in our lives that have knocked the people we love down. Jesus paid for every single one of them. He died in a sense on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so he could once again become for us the tree of life. That's why when he breathed his last breath, it says darkness covered the earth and he was buried in a tomb of darkness. So you and I could once again have the light of life. So our eyes could be opened. This is why in John 1, it says that in him was life and that life was the light of men. He became a tree of life that when we choose him, we start to see again. The darkness flees, the shame goes, the guilt disappears, the sin gets broken, the patterns are undone and new patterns are rewired. So life begins to spring forth within us. That's Jesus. And that's what he came to do. He doesn't want the tree of the knowledge of good and evil sticking out of your face where you walk around blind in life, pointing out what's wrong with everyone else. He wants your eyes open to the grace he offers you and offers them. Hear me. It's exhausting to have a tree sticking out of your face. If you have a tree sticking out of your face, you got to do one of two things. You got to hold your head up in pride or you'll hang your head low in shame. Jesus wants you to hold your head in freedom. So he wants to turn on the light in every blind spot in your life and my life so we can have the light of life. So close your eyes with me. Here's the question. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Like right now in this moment, how, how's he moving in your life? What's he whispering? What's he pressing on? 
Where is he shining some light and maybe some dark areas? Maybe all of a sudden he's, he's showing you some things of some patterns or some loops or some replays. Maybe he's bringing you to the end of yourself where you're saying, Jesus, I'm tired of living in darkness. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus, it's not that you have blind spots, it's that you're blind to life. And if you'll simply cry out and say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness and your life for my past and my brokenness, he will turn on the light of life in your world and bring you to a point called salvation where he saves you and heals you and begins to make you whole. And then if you know Jesus and you walk with him and there's these blind spots in our lives, I think by grace, he wants to start removing them. So maybe in your own way, you can say, Jesus, I give you permission and I ask for strength and grace. I look to you, Jesus, to remove the things that are so blind to me that I might live free in a life of goodness and grace. Holy Spirit, we just invite you this week to move in our lives. Show us, heal us, set us free that we may eat from the tree of life, of goodness and grace and vision. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the light of the world. May today we step out of the darkness and into your marvelous light because you are calling us by grace. There is no darkness, there is no blind spot, there is no brokenness, there is no pattern too far gone for Jesus to set you free. May that be truth in your life today. In your name we pray, amen.